0: Welcome to The MTA Show, I'm your host, Gareth domingo and joining me today is Ming Barube-Sam and Dawn Atkinson. Ming's experience lies in medical cannabis and navigating the complex landscape of plant medicine, as well as knowledge translation from researcher to user. She has worked in both the medical and recreational spheres of cannabis industry, having held various roles at different licensed producers, as well as advising various startups in the Canadian cannabis space. Dawn Atkinson is a cannabis educator who specializes in support for veterans and their families, her passion for the cannabis plant evolved from watching her husband suffer through mental health issues and wounds from his service. A medical cannabis patient herself, she found there was a huge benefit to the healing properties of the plant and made it a mission to learn and educate in the cannabis space. Welcome to the show, Ming and Dawn, and thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for the invite.
0: Awesome. It's great to be here. Very excited for you both to be here, actually. There's a lot of items to unpack, and uh, especially when it comes to this topic. And using, of course, alternatives to address some of the issues experienced by those with uh, limb loss. Uh, Don, let me start off with you then, you know, just to to sort of get us started. I think a lot of the things that that overwhelms um, new users would be the jargons that are used in in the industry, such as THC, CBD, and so on. Perhaps maybe explain what the differences are and, and sort of start us off that way. Just an explanation of what things are.
1: Yeah, no problem. So um, cannabis is made up of different compounds, different cannabinoids, uh, without going too sciencey. You have two main components in your cannabis is THC, CBD. Um, Your THC is what gives you um, that high feeling, euphoric, where CBD is, um, you're not going to get a high from it. Uh, You're going to get the benefits of, you know, uh, whatever it is you're using to, a- you know, for your ailment. Um, and then you have all of the uh, terpenes involved. So those are your like your central oils in your cannabis. Um, and then you do have your alternate, uh, you know, chemicals in such as a, you know, CBG, THCA, so as the as we do more research on the plant, uh, you know every every couple of weeks we're finding out more and more about the plant that can help more and more people in not just a physical way but also in their mental health way as well.
0: Right, and and Ming, what about uh, Don brought up the different plants? Are there different plants because people keep talking about I have this. Blue thing, and I have this, you know, whatever they're called. I'm, I'm not quite familiar with the name, so that could be overwhelming for me as well. Like, what are, what are things like full spectrum, maybe uh, broad spectrum? I think that 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 are talked about as well. And can you give us sort of a roundabout, you know, explanation as to what the differences between those things are?
2: Yeah. So the spectrums really just relate to the extraction of the plant and sort of how much compound is in it. And then if we talk about the plant matter itself, mostly right now cannabis is broken down into indica and sativa. Um, I don't wanna make it a little bit more confusing, but basically what we're learning now as the research evolves is that indica and sativa are both misnomers. They were used to categorize the plant based off of where the plant could have theoretically come from, but of course cannabis being a controlled substance for so long, the genetics ended up all mixed up. And so now when we get a plant, it's really hard to end up with a pure indica or a sativa. So those are typically used to inform sort of the reaction that a user will get when they use the plant. it's sort of colloquially said that like an indica will be more more relaxing, more sedative, whereas a sativa will be more uplifting and more sort of mentally uplifting, I guess, mentally stimulating is what I'm looking for. Um, But what we actually know now is that those don't really exist in terms of a pure plant form. So what we're really looking at, which will inform the user experience, if you will, is compounds called terpenes, which are the volatile essential oils associated with the plants and the cannabinoid mix, like Don mentioned, that's in it. So when we're talking about like a broad spectrum or a full spectrum, we're talking about the full spectrum of compounds that you can find in that plant and how much is available in that extract, if that makes any more sense.
0: Right. When when I hear people going, should I choose st- 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 sativa i now i can't pronounce it sativa <laughs> how do how do i decide as a user or as, as a brand new user to say i want this one instead of this one or what what are the choices should i look at in in looking at the different of the two things
1: um i think with and, it, and that's where the education comes in and it's so important um because the plant has, you know, the plant hasn't really been studied or been explained to a lot of people, especially, you know, the Canadians. We, you know, we have a a legalized system now. So trying to, you know, educate people and what their body needs. We have an endocannabinoid system, which, you know, what you put in is going to affect that system. So a lot of times when you... um, you know, when you go say to a bud tender, hopefully it's a bud tender that's very knowledgeable um, in cannabis, Um, they will be able to point you in the right direction, whether it's, you know, for pain relief or whether it's, you know, because you just need some, um, you know, something to uplift your your mental health. Uh, There's so many, you know, it's so important that we're asking those questions of our patients: of what exactly is it that you're trying to achieve from your cannabis use? Um, you know, is it, you know, is it to, um, you know, to make you feel better? Is it to help you, um, you know, come off of opiates or you know, you're trying to take a break from drinking? Um, all of those things are part and parcel to um, what cannabis use can be used for. Um, yeah, it, it's, I think it's all dependent on what exactly it is that you're trying to achieve with your cannabis use.
2: Yeah, and I think it's also important to keep in mind that in Canada right now, we actually have two different streams of access for cannabis. So we have that recreational stream where, you know, anyone can like, you know, over 19 or whatever the legal age is, can go into a cannabis store and purchase. And then we also have the medical stream, which is a little bit different. The products at the end of the day remain the same in both streams, but the points of access are a bit different. So for example, if we had, you know, someone who is looking for cannabis for a very specific medical reason, if it's to target a specific pain or something, it may make more sense to go through the medical stream. And that would be going to a doctor who feels comfortable prescribing cannabis or going to a cannabis clinic, for example, like the one that Don works with to get a prescription to be able to access medical cannabis directly from a licensed producer that would come and through the mail to the patient's house. But that offers a little bit more support because I think the main thing to remember with cannabis here is that we're talking about hundreds of different compounds that are all in this tiny plant that can affect the human body differently, depending on how an individual's endocannabinoid system works. So for example, I could smoke a Blue Dream that affects me in a certain way. And then Dawn could smoke it and have a completely different experience from me just because her endocannabinoid system has different structures in it than mine does. And so I think if you take those two streams into account, that's kind of question number one that I think people should be asking themselves when they're going to use cannabis is, if I need a little bit more support, if I have more questions, maybe I should go more towards a medical source. If I already feel a little bit comfortable and I want to try it out, then maybe move towards a recreational source, simply because bed tenders aren't like legally allowed to speak to medical conditions to users. And so I think that's a really important distinction to remember that's happening right now in Canada.
0: Oh, I think that's really good to understand, too, that there, there are those two different things. So then. It's funny when you, when you said that, then a question kind of popped in my head as to the naming of, I guess, the plants or the mixture. Is that the right way to, to say that? Um, is then if I'm recreational and you're calling this Blue Dream, is it also going to be called Blue Dream when I go on the medical side of things? Or is it the branding that changes along the way? Because then I think that also gets overwhelming and confusing. Because if I go to one store and they call it Blue Dream and I go to another store, it's called Blue Dragon all of a sudden. Then, do I still know? Like, what's the best way for me to know that what I went with product A is going to be the same under product A at this particular one?
2: Um, that's a really good question. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's not an easy answer. So, at this point, it really varies from company to company. So, each product will have its official strain name, which is kind of the name that the plant was given. But of course, again, this comes down to the fact that we're dealing with a substance that was illegal and controlled for so long. One person's blue dream might not be the same as another person's blue dream. Like, for example, if one company is company A is growing blue dream, and company B is both growing blue dream, the cultivation that went into both of those different plants could mean that those plants have different components that make up its cannabinoid content. And so I would say already step one is that from company to company, even if the product has the same strain name, it can affect you differently. And then from the medical to the recreational side, companies don't always keep the same names. So some do, and that makes it really easy for the user. Others don't. And that's where you need to do a little bit of sleuthing. Um, Reddit is actually an amazing resource. There's some really great Reddit threads about cannabis in Canada. Where you can ask questions, and most of them will have even if you Google like Canadian LP recreational versus medical names, they'll have the list there that'll tell you what is what. But it's certainly a bit of a complex landscape to navigate when you first start getting into it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think uh, I think one thing to remember is, uh, like Ming said,
1: uh, it has been a controlled substance for so long. Uh, people, you know, people would you know pick up seeds from anywhere then they cross match them with, you know, they, they cross it and then they play with the genetics of it. Um, and then all of a sudden you don't have that same plant anymore. So it's, um, yeah, it could be very, it could be a challenge to find exactly what it is, um, that your body needs. That's why it's always such a good idea, especially if you're using for a medical purpose, um, that you, you know, you go the medical stream. Um, a lot of times they, you're going to be able to get what you need every month. Um, and know that it's, you know, come from, you know, the same genetic of that, that strain. Um, so yeah, it's just finding what works for your body and then making sure that, you know, you're going somewhere that, you know, that they're going to have that, you know, that ongoing seed, you know, for your, your needs.
0: Mm-hmm. No talking about that so then our manufacturers or our growers, I guess. If they have a, a specific plant that they're racing already for their product, they're not likely to change that to something else, would they or they would grow another version of that but a different cross because I think a lot of fascination that I, that I have with this is the whole genetic crossing of mixing of plants because I mean because you could do that with any plant really you could you could you could have a red rose, you know, and clip it and then mm-hmm. mix it with a yellow rose and you have a totally different color of a rose. It, it's still a rose, but it's it's now has a different genetic makeup now because of the, the way, you know, you've mixed two things. So is there standardization, I guess, when it comes to, you know, the growers to say, these plants will never, you know, will never reinvent this plant or whatever that may be, or we ensure that the, you uh, the plant doesn't ever cross with another plant in another room. I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to imagine what it would be like in, inside a, um, uh, uh, a greenhouse.
1: Um, it's very uh, it's very rare now to find what they call land race um, seeds. And that is, those are seeds that are the original genetics. So let's say you're able to find a, a land race, say for Acapulco Gold which is of course, you know, a very popular strain of cannabis. You hear it in all the movies, you know, Um, but to, to find the, to find that legacy strain can, it can be really hard there. And like Ming said, there's so many different, you know, different kind of, you know, like the blue dreams or, you know, everything has the same name, but it, you know, it affects you differently. I don't know if there is such a regulation yet that says, you know, you can't splice, you can't mix.
2: Um, I'm not aware if there is that, Uh, Ming? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I'm not sure from the cultivation side. I don't think that there is, but it also isn't happening right now in the space. I think a lot of the producers of cannabis right now aren't changing their products because we're still in such a new stage as well in the industry that there is a product mix right now that works, that people are responding to. And I don't see that changing for a while. There may be more products that are added. There's always more products added and certain like actual products are removed as well or retired. But I don't see like, for example, if you're buying a Blue Dream from a company I can't see that shifting completely. Like they would keep the same mix. They would keep the same cannabinoid profile, the same potency levels and the same uh, terpene profiles within that strain.
0: Right. So I I was just thinking, you know, for somebody who may be just getting into it, you know, and and, and they found that mixture that's good for them that addresses their issues. It's like, am I going to find this again? And I guess to that question, going back to store A to store B, product A to product B is that I, go to this one particular store and now they don't carry that. Can I go to another store and pick <laughs> up the exact same one? Because I think that could be a lot of hesitation as well for somebody new to go, oh my gosh, they don't carry it anymore. And I've really liked that. And it worked for me. Now I want to move over to the store. I see the same product, the same sort of mix of a plant or they call it that. Now, what what are the key signs, I guess I should be looking for in the labels um, that says what you have here is what you have on the on the other one as well?
2: Yeah, um, that's a great question. Oh, go ahead, Don. Sorry. Nope. Nope. You got to first. Go. <laughs> oh, no worries. Um, yeah. So what I was going to say is that usually the product will remain the same. So if one store is no longer carrying it, if that product is still out there and it's still being sold, you can find it at another store. But that being said, understanding the labels that are on cannabis products right now is a whole science and art in and of itself and the health Canada makes it a little bit more complicated sometimes like for example they changed regulations to make the labels more clear but it also means that they've shifted the labels a little bit so the main things to look out for now is to look at the thc and cbd percentage that's the first one and health canada now says it as a milligram per gram instead of a percentage as it used to so i feel like i should go grab a bottle or something so i can look at it (laughs) But essentially, um, it'll tell you like THC, like 15 milligrams per gram, which essentially means that it's at 15%. And CBD, it'll say the same thing, which will give you a percentage. So already you can kind of base how much this product, how potent the product is, and how much it's going to affect you from that percentage. And then depending on the company, some also do list the top terpenes. And I think that's something that's really important. If a user is wanting to use really medicinally and making that distinction from using recreational cannabis just to get high and trying to get like actual symptom relief by using cannabis, I really recommend diving into the science behind the terpenes because it just does affect how the cannabis will affect the user at the end. So if anyone can Google it, like cannabis terpenes, there's a lot of information out there. But the main points to keep in mind is the THC or CBD percentage, because that's kind of how, like, that's how high you're going to get. That's how much of a sensation you're going to get from that plant. And then looking at the top terpenes, So like, for example, I know that limonene, which is a terpene um, that you can actually also find in lemon, but it's also found in cannabis. uh, Limonene kind of pumps me up a little bit. So like, I like to take an edible that's higher in limonene before I work out. And so I'll find a strain or I like to smoke a strain that's higher in limonene before I work out. So I'll find a strain that has kind of a medium THC profile for me, just using myself as an example, like if I'm using it as a pre-workout, then I will consume a strain that has maybe like a 15% THC ratio with a higher limonene profile. And I know that that will work with my body in that way so that I'll actually get pumped up and I'll want to lift more weights than I would if I hadn't smoked that?
1: Um, I think the, the the terpenes, like hitting on the terpenes. I try to tell a lot of my clients that um, a lot of the benefit from the plant is in the terpenes. So it, it's kind of like, you know, when you're hungry, when your body's hungry for something, um, you know, you feed it and then it's, you know, it, it, you're good. You can either, you know, relax or do whatever uh, terpenes are kind of the the same way, you know, different terpenes are going to affect you in different ways. And I like to tell clients like find, you know, find two or three strains that have those same terpene profiles, you know, so that, you know, they'll, they'll kind of hopefully give you that same relief. It may be a little bit different. You might get, you know, there might be different, uh, you know, different things that, you know, say you might get dry mouth with one, or you may, you know, you may get the munchies really bad with another. And you'll be like, that didn't happen with the other one. It's all how the plant is so personalized to our inner systems and, and us personally, that it really is a medicine that is built to your specifications. And it's unfortunately, we're still figuring it out and we kind of have to guinea pig on ourselves in order to find that combination.
0: Right. So, um, in summary, I guess, of that would be the terpenes is the key to see which one works for you because that's the one that gives you the uh, sort of physical and emotional changes or effects in your body. Or is it the combination or percentage of THC and CBD in the product?
1: I think it's a combination of both. Um, You know, your terpene profiles are, you know, going to give your body, you know, what you need terpenes are very much like an essential oil, such as Ming said, it's your terpene, it's your essential oil, sorry, of your cannabis plant. So like in normal plants, or, you know, different plants, carrots, roses, um, flowers, a lot of vegetables and fruits, they're all contain different terpenes. Um, so how, you know, how it will affect, you know, lavender, you know, makes you sleepy. Um, pretty much has that effect for everybody or relaxing. Um, that's one of the components and most, most really good indicas that I find, I gravitate towards stuff that has a really good linaloo. Um, I probably pronounced that wrong because I was too. Um, and it, it, you know, so I know that for me, that's one of the terpene profiles that I need to look for if, you know, I'm trying something new or, if, you know, what I need isn't available. I know that terpene profile will give me what I need. And then also balancing it off with, you know, my C- CBD or THC, you know, what is, uh, what else am I trying to
2: accomplish? So it's all kind of part and parcel, um, all works together. To add on to Don, what Don was saying, basically, the cannabis plant is broken down into a couple different parts, right? So we've got the cannabinoid compounds, which include the main ones being THC and CBD, but which are hundreds of other Cannabinoid compounds, which interact with the endocannabinoid system of the body. That's one part. And then we have the terpenes, which are the volatile essential oils that are associated with the plant. And then there's like the plant matter as well, and other things like fats and lipids that make up sort of the plant structure. And so basically, the two main things that will affect any like a user's experience with the plant or a patient's experience are the concentration of cannabinoid compounds most predominantly THC and CBD because we breed cannabis plants now to have certain levels of THC and CBD. Those are the most sought after compounds and the terpene profiles. So the terpenes won't make up a huge percentage of that plant compound, but the terpenes can kind of add an informed experience. So basically there is a term in the cannabis industry that's called the entourage effect. And what the entourage effect means is that it takes into account not only the cannabinoids, so like the THC and the CBD, but also all of the other plant compounds. So like the terpenes and anything else in the plant that can inform how a patient or user will react. And because those two things do work sometimes separately, we can have plants or we can have products, for example, edibles that don't actually have any terpene content. So then we're only dealing with cannabinoid content. So it varies depending on the product that people are using. So when we talk about terpenes, we're mainly talking about dried flour. And then there are certain, for example, vapable products or um, oils as well, that, or soft gels that will still have terpenes in them too. So it's not necessarily in everything, but it does help heighten the experience.
0: What are the best ways, or um, I guess from your experience, the best way to consume cannabis?
1: As, you know, as now that, you know, legalization is hit, there's, you know, we're, we're branching out and there's more and more and more products. Um, You have anything from dried flour, which you can put in a, you know, you can roll it into a joint, you can put it into, um, you know, like what we call bong, you can pipe edibles. I right now, I kind of shift Uh, right now I am between concentrates, which is a very concentrated form of, uh, the plant, which is an extract. Um, and the edibles right now, they're just so easy. You can take them wherever you you're going. Um, it's easy to dose because it is a set dosing amount. Um, and yeah, you can just, they're so easy and you can take them on the go, which is like the nice part of it. Um, but yeah, right now that's, that's my two favorite ways. I find that, um, it, you know, gets the medicine into me, you know, really well. And then the edibles, uh, the edibles kind of kick in afterwards. So it kind of gives me that one, two punch.
2: For me lately, I've been really lazy. So I, I really like pre-rolls <laughs> It's just so easy. It's just there. You don't have to do anything. Um, but I think again, like if we're talking about people who are looking to use cannabis for the first time, or maybe looking into using cannabis, I mean, the first rule of thumb is always start low and go slow because greening out is not fun. I've done it many times. Um, There was a time where I thought like lizard people had taken over the world. That was not recommended. Um, That was with edibles. But so basically, yeah, where was I going with this? Yes. Yes. So you can, the, because we have so many options, basically it all falls into two categories. We've got inhalation, or we have kind of eating or ingestion. And both of those affect us differently, right? So when we eat cannabis, it takes a lot longer to actually act. So we had, like, for me, at least, it takes me about an hour to digest and to actually start feeling the effects. And because of that, people who are just starting with cannabis could have a bad experience because, oh, you're waiting, you ate a piece of chocolate and then you're waiting a half hour and then you don't feel anything. So you eat four more pieces of chocolate. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're super stoned, you're couch locked. Maybe you're feeling a little paranoid, maybe you're not. And so what I always recommend is if you're just starting to look at cannabis, start with an inhalation method. If it's a vape or if it's um, like smoking a pre-roll or rolling a joint, because the effects don't last as long. So the rule of thumb for the two different methods of ingestion is that when you use a product that you inhale, it'll take about 15 minutes for you to reach that like euphoric sensation of being high. And then it'll the effects will last anywhere between a half hour, 45 minutes to two hours, depending on how sensitive you are. Whereas with an edible or anything that's ingested, that could be an oil or a soft gel as well. It can take between a half hour to an hour and a half. To digest and to make its way into your system. And that also depends on if you're eating it on an empty stomach or if you've had like a full dinner and then you're, you know, taking an edible to cap off the evening. Um, But then the edible can last anywhere between, and depending on levels of sensitivity in your endocannabinoid system, it can last anywhere between, you know, two, three hours if you process things really fast or up to eight hours. So you're kind of locked in for the ride, so to speak, when you take an edible. And part of that is, I mean, part of what's good about the legal system that we have now is that edibles come in fairly low doses. So the maximum amount of milligrams in an edible per Health Canada is 10, which is not a super high dose. But for example, someone like me, I'm a total edibles lightweight. If I eat 10 milligrams, I'm like, I'm done for the night. (laughs) I can't even get to my own bed from the couch. I'm not stoned. So like I take like two and a half milligrams and I'm like, great. So again, depending on people's tolerance, it's always better to start with like maybe a quarter of an edible or I recommend starting with a 2.5 milligram dose. And if you have a better tolerance than me, then you can work your way up to something higher or you stay at that low dose. And then same with a joint or a pre-roll, like, you know, take a couple puffs, turn it off, wait 15 minutes, see how you feel if you feel good and you feel like, okay, maybe I need a bit more Then you know, light it up again and try again. But it's just starting in that kind of slow pace to figure out how the plant affects you and how it works in your own body, because we all react differently. Um, Well, that being said, um, we always tell, you know, people to go slow,
1: you know, start slow, you know, low. Um, We do find that, you know, you get a lot of, I guess, guys, I'm going to say it. You get a lot of guys that, uh, you know, they, they, they test themselves. They're like, oh, no problem. I can, you know, I can eat these five gummies, not a problem at all. Um, and then you have to, you know, you're kind of, you're watching the progress of, of somebody, you know, literally about to green out. So it's, um, there are ways to combat it. <laughs> you know, you can, um, you know, uh, take some CBD, CBD will counter, um, act the THC, um, uh, peppercorns, chewing peppercorns can distract your, you know, distract your senses, um, water, drinking lots and lots and lots of water. Um, and then just just putting something on, you know, putting something on TV or some music that is very familiar for you. That's not going to spook you. Um, you know, something that's very familiar, but yeah, it happens to everybody. Um, everybody at some point in their life is going to green out. Um, especially with the new edibles out there, uh, with the new drinks, a lot of people haven't ever used cannabis before legalization. So, you know, they, they, there, everybody's playing with it now which is great it's exciting um so now it's you know it's kind of up to as people that have kind of been doing it for a little while to coach the other people and say you know <laughs> it's okay if you take too much you will not die it's just making sure that people understand how to counterbalance you know the effects of of greening out um like ming said um yeah it, it's always fun until until somebody greets out
0: <laughs> so that, that and, that's really fu- oh sorry go ahead
2: oh i was just gonna say and i think that's kind of it you touched the nail on the head there don the most important part to remember if you have ever taken too much and it does it happens to all of us is that you're okay you're not gonna die and to just stay calm because of course when you know when weird things happen like to our brain and body I mean, I'm sure it can happen also when you've maybe had too much alcohol. We have a tendency to freak out. And so like stay calm, find a place where you feel safe, just chill out and honestly go to sleep. I always tell this story and my mom always wants to kill, she wants to kill me whenever I tell this story. <laughs> I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, my mother is a medical cannabis patient as well. And she takes medical cannabis oil and she takes CBD oil and THC oil. And there was one night where she was on a camping trip um, and she mixed her bottles up. So she took the larger dose of CBD oil, but it turned out that she'd actually taken a very high dose of THC oil. And she didn't realize it until she was falling asleep in her tent, you know, there. It was backcountry camping. So she was on a little island in the middle of a lake. (laughs) And then she realized that she was completely stoned. And so she freaked out and called me, which was very sweet of her. And that's kind of it. Like at that point, I'm like, what I told her is what I tell everyone. It's just take a breath. You're okay. Just relax, have some water and it'll pass. Worst comes to worst, take a nap. And then eight hours later, you know, she woke up, she had a great sleep. She was very well rested. She definitely had a moment of fear about bears being outside in the woods, but she got over that and she just had a great rest. So, It's kind of like you're okay at the end of it all. Just make sure that you can stay calm. You're in a place where you can be safe and that you drink some water so that your mouth doesn't get too dry.
0: Right. Um, Dodd brought up the the pepper chewing peppermint. I've never heard that before. So are there any other tips other than water and chewing peppermint to kind of calm yourself down? Or is that something that uh, you both have just kind of discovered on your own?
1: Um, so it's peppercorns, not peppermints, although peppermints will make your breath smell nice as well. Um, peppercorns, uh, there is actually a terpene in peppercorns, but the spiciness will, it kind of distracts your, you know, distracts your anxiety and, you know, because now you're just too busy with your mouth on fire. Um, you know, so it's it's just distracting, you know, that part of your, you know, psyche that's going through a very uncomfortable stage. So yeah, it's just making sure that you, um, yeah, that you're finding stuff that, you know, if you do over consume water, like water is, it's flushing everything out and and sleep. I mean, those are the two best things is have a nap and drink lots of water. Um, Those are the two best things. Because like Ming said, you're kind of, you're locked in. You can't, you know, you can't throw it up. You can't, you know, take it out of your system. It's there. So, yeah, you just kind of have to back down the hatches for a little bit and just kind
2: of ride it out.
0: Great. Well, that's I always really good love to know. that.
2: Um, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but there's a recording that's in the internet somewhere that I think is a cop in the US that ate a bunch of edibles and he's calling 911 yes. because he
1: thinks he has to go to the hospital.
2: And I think that's like it's super emblematic of that moment where if you've overconsumed, you're kind of freaking out. So, that's it. Water, CBD. Capricorns and breathe.
0: Right. now that's really good tips. Those are really good tips, especially for somebody new who's kind of experiencing that, you know, um, and and saying, Oh, I thought it didn't affect me. So I took I took some more and I, you know, I ate some more candies. And then all of a sudden an hour later, you're like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? And now what did I do? You know. So it's really good to know those oh. t- to combat them a little bit.
2: And actually, one thing, just hearing you, one thing that popped into my mind that is also important to keep in mind, I think, is that if someone has a really high tolerance smoking or inhaling cannabis, that doesn't necessarily translate into edibles and vice versa. So like, I'm the perfect example. I have a really high tolerance for inhaled cannabis. I can smoke a fair bit and it doesn't affect me that much. But if I have like even more than five milligrams of an edible, I'm toast. And so tolerance doesn't correlate one way or the other. And I think a lot of people... Can get caught up in that. It's happened to me quite a few times.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's a really good tip. Um, I think it's for somebody new, or you know, even maybe a used uh, a person who's used to that. Sometimes, maybe to your point, you know, like this one particular brand maybe just isn't happening the way they thought it was, and takes some more. Then all of a sudden, it affects you in one big brick of you know a wall. It mm-hmm. just drives you up the wall, going, "Oh no, what have I just done?" So I think that's a, that's a really good. Uh, good tip to know. What about, um, we talked about inhalation and, and digestion and all of that. What about like the oils and bombs? Are there any differences to those, or do those have the same concentrations as you would with uh, uh, an edible or something that you would smoke?
1: Um, so, when you have a, an ointment, say an oil or an ointment that you're using um, externally, mm-hmm. um, depending on the, the, you know, if it's just CBD, um, CBD, THC, you're not going to you're not going to get high from that contact. Um, I have heard of I have heard of people, you know, say that they they put cannabis uh, cream on their forehead and then they immediately got high. And I'm like, "Eh, there's just not enough receptors. You would literally have to, like, lay in a vat of ointment in order for the (laughs) the amount of THC to get you high. Um, And that would be a super waste of a, you know, really good ointment. Um, But a lot of people do find it, um, especially if they don't want to inhale or eat, they don't want any THC or, you know, in their system, Um, you know, using the ointments can be, uh, you know, a godsend for some people. Um, So it's there. I don't know. I've never heard, you know, you hear the third party, but. Um, I've never heard of anybody getting intoxicated, um, on a THC ointment. Um, I've just never heard it.
2: They can be really beneficial for pain though, I find. Mm -hmm. So for example, I use, um, creams for like, I have chronic neck pain and I use it on my neck quite often. And ladies, it's also amazing for menstrual cramps. It's one of the best things out there. Um, but I like, that's my biggest thing with the creams is I don't think that's like Don said, there isn't really much of a psychoactive or like euphoric effect that comes from the creams. But in terms of pain management, it's a really amazing tool to have in your toolkit. Um, I kind of equated in my mind to Voltaren, except for me, at least, I find it works a lot better than Volterran. And what's interesting is that we know that CBD also has some anti-inflammatory properties. So if your cream does have some CBD in it, It'll also work as an anti-inflammatory as well.
0: So I think for our community and the limb loss community and the amputee community, there's a lot of uh, mixed feelings about, you know, inhaling it and then uh, using edibles to sort of get rid of the pain and have the C4 feeling. But then also at the same time, you have maybe the the old school where they don't want, you know, they still have that stigma of, oh, I don't want to be involved in all of that because... That sounds really like you know I'm going against the grain and I was never raised that way, and so I think that having that option of uh, you know the topical creams or the topical ways of using oils to to help with pain that's really good to know that it does help with those in those situations because a lot of times when amputees look into this stuff is because they're tired of taking um, anti-inflammatory pills or anti-pain meds or, not yeah, like pain medication, painkillers, or even opioids at this point, right? Because it it gets really addictive to be taking high doses of pain medication. So we're always looking for alternatives where, where you can participate in your daily things still without having to be way too blown out because, you know, the drug that you took just got you so high that you can't function for the rest of the day anymore,
1: Um, I think this is where kind of your community and my community kind of intermingle. Um, you know, it's, uh, we do, there, there's still such a stigma around cannabis. You know, we're still trying to break down all the old thinking. Um, you know, we have, we have almost a hundred years that, you know, somebody decided that cannabis was going to be a, you know, schedule one drug, um, and decided that, you know, it was now illegal. Uh, Before that, it was used in many different properties. Um, So now after legalization, we're trying to catch up um, with, you know, teaching and educating people. We see it a lot with veterans, um, you know, when they first get out of the military, uh, you know, especially when they're managing their pain, combat wounds. They're trying to manage a lot of the times you know, before they find cannabis, they're using, you know, they're using pills, they're using booze, they're, you know, not really healthy life choices, uh, because that's all they know, that's all they've had access to. Um, And you probably see it in the amputee community, you know, people just become dependent on, you know, those opiates. And, you know, it, it doesn't just you know, affect one part of your body, you know, it's eating it, your lung, your liver, your kidneys, you know, it's affecting so much. So, you know, when you have, you know, when we have a new veteran come to us, you know, and they're like, I can't do, you know, the pills anymore. um, Yeah. It's, it's just giving them information, you know, giving them that informed information, giving them options, you know, really just taking them by the hand and saying, you know, these are the better options, you know, for, you know, because you don't want to fall down that hole again. So it's, it's starting to become a bit more, but you do, you have those people, you know, from the old school, you know, way that they're like, no, it's just, a, you know, it's just a dirty, you know, you just want to get high. Um, Those are the people that, are you know that need the education and those are the people that when we do script them they come back a month later and they're like oh my goodness I don't know what I was thinking so it really is and and it really is just making sure that people have an informed educated discussion with somebody and it's not just you know around partying and getting high it's about that quality of life that a lot of people are missing And are getting it back because they've gone to cannabis therapy instead of saying a pharmaceutical stream of, you know, pill therapy, you know, it it brings the light back in somebody's eyes, you know, I can't say enough, Um, you know, we've spent time on the golf course together. And, you know, there's just something about somebody's eyes when, you know, they've been down and out, and then you help them and, you know, they, they embrace, you know, this, the cannabis journey that they're on. And they, they start getting the life back in their eyes. Like that's so, you know, that's so important. Um, and for me, that's what, you know, makes me want to, you know, spread words more. You spread the word of, of, of how much it can help you without being high and being able to, you know, use your CBD, use your low strain THC and then go, you know, whack the ball for 18 holes. That's, you know, or making sure that, you know, the, the guy that used to, you know, bike ride all the time and now has finds that a struggle, you know what CBD and introducing a small bit of THC, you know what, it's going to help their mental attitude. It's going to help their physical, you know, well-being and that, you know, filters through the whole family. You know, once you get that person right, it just, it just kind of, it, it kind of domino effects through everything you know, so it's, it's making sure that we're really giving an informed, educated, you know, stream of information to people. And, and the, you know, the more we give that evidence to people that it really is working, it, the proof is right there. You know, you can't dispute, you can't dispute the proof.
2: Yeah. I think that's kind of like, that's exactly it. Don, your story is so powerful. I love every time I hear it, I'm just like, Oh, yes. And, that's the main thing to remember too, is like cannabis or cannabinoids are so different from opioids, but they both have a very strong ability to manage pain. And for me, I think it's personally, it's a no brainer to use cannabinoids because they're non-addictive. They, you know, they're, they're not as dangerous in my opinion on the human body. And so yeah, I feel like I don't know. I feel like everything I have to say after Don's story is kind of lame. So, I'm just going to let Don take it. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's No, that's certainly a lot of great information and and you know, I and I truly trust that. That's just like eating vegetables, right? It's naturally yeah. found in, a, in 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 your garden if you will, right? So, um that are the chemical makeup of of pills that is made in a lab. So, you know, you kind we kind of have to have that balance of What's good for the overall health, and and what what your body could could really does it really need that much more of a chemical imbalance in it for you to feel good, if you will, right? Yeah. So let's talk about cannabis now for use in Ontario and in Canada in general. As we all know, cannabis use, both therapeutic and recreational, has become legal in Canada in the last couple of years. Did you see any spike in the industry when when it became uh, legal?
2: Yeah. Um... I mean, spikes, not so much. I think it's been a huge learning curve for the industry as a whole, because cannabis recreationally was legalized in 2018, 2018. Yeah. I I feel like it's been like 10,000 years and like a weekend all in one. Um, But yeah, so cannabis recreationally was legalized in 2018 But medical cannabis had actually been around in Canada through the model that it's now currently available under, which is through a licensed producer, um, since 2016. So I was actually working in medical cannabis when cannabis legalized. And it was just a bit of a, like, it was a perfect storm. I think there was people that underestimated how the demand, there was the issue of how do you merge, like, the products between medical and recreational, which is, So there was a lot of product outages for medical patients actually when cannabis legalized just because there was a diversion of product towards the recreational space. And I think that's been, it's less of an issue now, but just managing the actual demand for cannabis across Canada has been really interesting because of course there was a really high demand at the beginning and then sort of the legacy market is still alive and thriving to a certain extent in Canada. So there, like that demand kind of dipped down from the legal recreational sphere as people started reaching out to maybe like their, their person again and getting sort of deliveries. And so it's been a bit of an ebb and flow, which I think is finally starting to stabilize. And now in Ontario, there's more product availability. I think the OCS has made it slightly more easy. And I love the fact that now there are like you know recreationally there are privately owned stores that can um, that can sell cannabis as well as you know cannabis being available through the OCS so you have a variety of dispensaries i don't know if i'm allowed to do this because it's the radio but my friend owns a super awesome dispensary in ontario called suprette and it's women of color owned which i think is amazing because we need more diverse representation in the cannabis industry so if you're in ontario um, they're in Toronto and in Ottawa, definitely check it out because it's, it's the best, in my opinion. But yeah, long-winded answer to say, yeah, it, was, it's, it still is crazy. The industry is still figuring itself out and settling as we kind of ride the waves.
0: And has there been sort of parameters changed to legal possession of cannabis or weed on you now that it's been legalized? Like, Is there still limits or are there still sort of what you cannot and cannot have on you? In case of a police stop, maybe?
1: Yeah, the so you are, um, anybody over the age of 19 can possess uh, small amounts of cannabis. Uh, they do need to be carried in their original container. Most of the containers now that are coming through the LPs um, are very bland. They used to be colorful. They used to you know, have bright pictures on them. And now they're just, everything is very uniformed uh, Uniform White, um, pretty much all the brands. Um, they, they've made it very accessible. Like they have made it very accessible, but you can only carry the 30 grams. If you are purchasing from a store, uh, you can only buy 30 grams at a time. If you're, uh, with medical, of course, it's different because you're, you it's based on what you're prescribed. Um, so recreational 30 grams, uh, 30 grams is what you're allowed to hold on. Uh, and then your medical, you have, you can carry up to
0: your three month prescription for that. That's good to know. Do you still need to see a doctor to yes. purchase? Yeah.
1: So uh, for medical? Medical. For, yeah. Oh, for medical, you do need to, yes, you do need to have a prescription, whether that's through a doctor or a nurse practitioner um, who works under a doctor. Uh, But it does need to come from a medical professional
0: for your prescription. So if I have a prescription that hasn't been renewed and I go up to a store and I just buy whatever I think is equivalent to my prescription, I'm technically okay, right?
2: So yes and no. So the prescription works in a completely different stream from the store stream, right? So if you're purchasing from a store, even if I'm, going in and I have a medical prescription, if I go into a cannabis store and I purchase, I can only purchase up to 30 grams in a cannabis store because I'm buying from a recreational source. And then the 30 grams that I purchase is totally fine. That's it's legally purchased cannabis that is purchased by, you know, an adult of legal age, who, which is under the limit that you are allowed to purchase by. Then if you have a prescription, you're buying, you're not buying from the cannabis store itself. So that remains a legal stream, well, a legal recreational stream. And then if you're buying from like a medical stream, then you're buying directly from the licensed producer or the the company that's growing or selling the cannabis medically. So it's coming completely differently. So medical patients with a a prescription or authorization are able to sign into a specific patient account that's theirs and theirs alone on their licensed producer of choice. And then they can order up to whatever their prescription is per month. And actually, sometimes they can even order a full year's supply in one shot if they prefer. So it's just two completely different cannabis streams, if you will, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really good to know. Now, what about growing your own at home?
2: Mm, Well, I'm in Quebec. So that (laughs) makes it really complicated because we're not allowed to grow our own um, unless we have a medical prescription in Quebec. Uh, so Don, I think you should take this one because you live yeah. in a province that lets you do it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. We feel bad for you, man. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> well, this is so, broadcast across Canada, so that's good to know.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, well, in Ontario, you are allowed four plants per household, not per person. <laughs> um, so you're allowed four plants uh, per household. The... You hear different things. Um, they should be kept in a very safe area uh, away from, you know, away from children uh, kept, I guess, you know, just discreetly, you know, just thinking of your neighbors or um, theft. You know, if people don't know it's there, they're, they're not going to steal it. Um, but it is depending on how much time you have. It is time consuming to grow your own cannabis. Um, I've done it two years now. Uh, the first year was great. Last year, uh, didn't work out too well. So if you're growing just, if you're going to be growing your cannabis for your consumption, it's it can be tricky. Uh, last year, all of my plants at the very last moment turned into males, which they're no good. They, so then you have four plants. If they all turn to a male plant, you have four plants that you can't use. So if you were going to use that based on um, for your usage, then you're kind of, you're, you're a little bit stuck. So growing is, if you're doing it as a, just, you know, I want to grow a cannabis plant. It's a lot of fun, but it is very time consuming as well, because you need to make sure it's watered. They do take a lot of water. Um, And, and the, the, you know, the prep afterwards, you've got to trim them. You've got to dry them. You've got to, uh, you know, put them in cans. You've got to burp them. You've got to, there's a lot of work that goes into it that I had no clue about um and then you once you you talk to different growers and you you know you know get that information a lot of people kind of go you know what I, I'm just gonna let the you know let the licensed producers do the growing it's just so much easier um but it is a neat thing to do you know if if you've got the room to do it do it on your balcony it is a neat thing to do to grow um your own uh, but it does come with a it does come with a lot of work and it can come with a lot of disappointment
2: and again reddit is an amazing resource (laughs) for anyone who is looking to for anyone lucky enough to live in a province where they can experiment with growing cannabis um then like check out reddit there's so many amazing communities and i think growing is also one of those places where like the cannabis community really shines because there's like i know a couple instagram accounts and like There's just a lot out there that's supportive and open to people who Mm -hmm. are trying to learn how to grow.
0: Right. Well, I'm never a green thumb, so um, I'm going to (laughs) totally fail at this if I can even raise a regular (laughs) plant. So kiss that one goodbye. Where would you like to see the industry go moving forward?
2: Hmm. I would love to see... More access for medical patients and better coverage. Right now, um, veterans are actually the only group in Canada that benefit from insurance coverage for cannabis. And like I'm, I'm a cannabis patient. I spend a lot of money on cannabis a year just to keep myself functional and keep myself happy and sane and you know able to show up and talk to you guys on podcasts like this. And my insurance company won't cover it. And so I think that's a super important thing to talk about. Uh, So definitely access, like my top three pillars of where I would love to the industry is more access for patients, a greater diversity. I think the cannabis industry needs a lot more diversity in it. Uh, More women running companies, more people of color, taking space and speaking up. And so I think that's also a very important point for the cannabis industry as well. And then the last one is just more variety. Like right now in cannabis in Canada, we're not seeing a lot of diverse products. And so we need to see more innovation happening more, maybe like natural health products coming out with cannabis and, you know, getting cannabis over the counter in pharmacies, CBD, stuff like that.
1: Um, I mean, the
2: access is, is a
1: huge one. If we made uh, cannabis a little bit more accessible to, to all people, um, You know, we would be able to see people, you know, drop their pain medication a bit more. We also need more education. We do need more, you know, we need more people to be willing to learn more about the plant. Um, You know, breaking the stigma of, you know, of years, 60, 70 years of misinformation that's been fed to the general public, you know, about cannabis you know, before it was shut down by, you know, the different governments, Canada had a amazing medical cannabis back in, you know, the 20s. You know, we had a medical cannabis program, not like we have today, but it was there. Um, and then, you know, just through, you know, misinformation, pharmaceuticals, you know, just all these different things. And then, you know, the The 60s hit and that just kind of, you know, made every drug, you know, bad, you know, in a lot of people's eyes. So a lot of it is, you know, the information piece. Um, I find that the, you know, the education on cannabis needs to be there a bit more. Um, Having the government spend the money to, to really make sure that we have people at the forefront that are, you know, willing to educate other people about you know the cannabis plant and the good that it can do um I think once you give that knowledge to people it does you know give you more knowledge is power it it very point blank the more knowledge we can give people about the cannabis plant uh, the more accessible it can be um because it will take the blinders off of, of a lot of people um yeah and just you know making sure that we don't you know that we're we're treating the plant with respect it is a it's a big money-making industry um, with the potential of more growth uh, but remembering that the plant is you know the plant is for a lot of us is a very sacred you know it's sacred it's it's um it's how we've healed ourselves it's how we are able to like ming said you know come on a podcast and and talk with you know, somebody about how important cannabis is. So just making the room um, in our medical system for cannabis to be an option. You know, I would really love it if you went to a doctor's office and you had the option of, do you want, you know, do you want pills or would you like cannabis or, you know, some kind of natural stream of medication.
2: It's also really important to talk about sort of the laws that are still governing cannabis and how it disproportionately affects people of color and how even now in Canada, we still have a large amount of Black and Indigenous people who have cannabis-related charges, who are not able to get those expunged and are incarcerated and or are incarcerated. So I think that's also a big piece on the diversity side of the industry that we need to remember is that just because we have legalized and decriminalized cannabis, there's still a lot of work to be done and reparations on what was done in the past pre-legalization.
0: That's really good. So is there anything you'd like our listeners to walk away with today so they can continue to investigate cannabis therapy as an alternative treatment for their symptoms, especially dealing with limb loss in this community?
2: Hmm. Hmm. Um, Start low and go slow. When you start using cannabis, don't, let your ego take over, definitely take the time to feel the effects of how cannabis affects you and how it works with you individually. And I also really recommend people who are looking to treat medically to reach out to a clinic or to find um, some support because it is, I mean, I think we spent the last hour and a half talking about it. Cannabis is a really complex personalized medicine And so it's not like an Advil that you can just take and it's going to work the same way in everyone's body. And so take the time to figure it out, educate yourself, but also don't be afraid of cannabis. It's, it's not a dangerous substance. It's, you know, start low, go slow, feel it out and trust that you, you got this and you're going to be okay using cannabis. Yeah, I think um, I think
1: what I really want people to take away, um, you know, from, you know, spending this hour and a half with us is that it's, you know, that our modern, you know, our modern cannabis system is not a it's not a scary environment. It's actually a very homeopathic environment. It's a very compassionate uh, community. Um, A lot of what we do is because we have been there. You know, we've experienced the chronic pain, we've experienced the mental health, you know, issues, um, you know, or we, we know somebody that we love and we care about that, it, you know, has gone through, you know, whether it's cancer or, you know, in my case, combat related issues or, you know, there's so many, there's so many slots that cannabis can fit into. Um, so, you know, I really hope that, you know, the stigma is starting to really, really erase away. Um, And that people, you know, aren't scared to reach out anymore and ask those important questions about cannabis. Go to your doctor. When you talk to your doctor, talk about cannabis. If they aren't comfortable, you know, if they say to you, I'm just not comfortable about that. You know what? It's on us as patients to challenge our medical health professionals, you know, to challenge them to say, you know what? I would really like you to look into this. I know it's not your, you know, you know, some doctors are not comfortable with it. It's empowering yourself to take back your health, you know, so and it's it's challenging our mental health our our medical health professionals, like I said, to learn more about the plant. It's not going away. Um, Cannabis is here to stay. Um, It is an amazing way to heal. I have I wouldn't I honestly would not be here um, sitting here if it was not for cannabis. Um, And I can, you know, say that for a lot of people, you know, it's helped us cope with very challenging situations in our life. Um, You know, I am very proud that I I am able to heal with cannabis and that it's enabling me to be able to go to work and function and help other people, you know, that may be feeling anxiety. We're in a very, very difficult time, you know, in our history. In that we're facing stuff that we may never never faced before, um, it's stress and anxiety. and Mental health is crazy right now. Um, cannabis is a really amazing way to manage our mental health. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very well rounded medication that many people could benefit from. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's the fear. You know, we need to lose the fear and uh, and reach out to people that that can help you. Because um, there's a lot, there's quite a few people that are out there to help.
0: Just building on reaching out to people, where can people find more information about you guys and your advocacy in cannabis use and find more information about the use?
2: To build a little bit on that, I think one of the best resources that we currently have in Canada, in my opinion, and I'm sorry, boys, but this is mainly for women. There's a Facebook group out there called She Can. S-H-E-C-A-N-N, double N like cannabis. And it's an absolutely amazing resource for patients. It's one of the most supportive patient groups that I've been in. It's just a lot of women cannabis patients who are talking about what works for them and what doesn't. So I highly recommend checking that out. And I guess if you're interested in learning more about me and my journey, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Ming Elise. Uh, m-i-n-g-e-l-i-s-e and I'm also on Twitter under the same name but with an underscore at the end because someone else had taken that name before me (laughs) when I finally got around to getting on Twitter (laughs) there's some really
1: great resources out there if you are looking to uh, look more into medical cannabis uh, there are many great clinics I'm gonna maybe pump my own a bit here. Um, so I work for a cannabis clinic called Canna Connect. Uh We do specialize in veterans, first responders. Um, you know those people that kind of run out before us. You know, and, and help us. Those are the people that you know that that are our passion to to help. Uh, we'll help anybody, um, but that's one of our specialties. There's a lot. I mean, there's a, a amazing Facebook group if you. Um, are you know are an amputee but you're also say a veteran or uh, you know part of police services Uh, there's a really great Facebook site called Green Veterans Canada Uh, these guys and ladies are so knowledgeable on the cannabis plant they they've all been through a lot of a lot of challenging circumstances in their lives and they are more than happy to help Um, And you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Avenger Girl, uh, A-V-E-N-G-R-L. And I just talk about a lot about, you know, cannabis and mental health and just how we can make each other feel better. I also have my own Facebook uh, page called Yes, That Green Plant. And I like to put out as much educational content as I can. Um, and it's, yeah, there's no drama. It's literally, I plop it, you know, plop it, read it, go do what you need with it. Um, but yeah, the education needs to be there. So that's kind of my, my passion is the education and care of, of people, you know, using cannabis.
0: Perfect. Just reminded that we've only scratched the surface here. Please talk to your health practitioner about cannabis therapy. Research and talk with people who are knowledgeable about this stuff like Ming and Don. Education and awareness is key, as this is one of the ways in which we remove the stigma on alternative therapies. I want to thank Don Atkinson and Ming Barube-Sam for joining me today. I'll share all the links on my website at www.aristaldemigo.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or show ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at The MTO Show. Until next time, I'm your host, Domingo, and this has been The MTO Show Podcast.